Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Tuesday, and it's a Q&A Tuesday leading into daylight saving time change. So we have a question about that, and we have a podcast episode that we aired last week about all of that. So last week's episode was the full meal deal on daylight saving time ending, how I suggest navigating that commiserating with you as a parent because I know how hard that can be. And then in today's episode, we got a question about making some changes around the daylight saving time change and when I would or wouldn't suggest that. So we'll dive into the questions for today and get to that because we have a few others as well outside of time change questions about a toddler, about a newborn, little mixed bag, and hopefully some answers to some questions that will help you out too. The first question is about a toddler, essentially a preschooler, and the bed versus the crib. We moved my two-and-a-half-year-old to a floor bed as we are expecting a baby next month and wanted the crib for him, but now she is constantly getting out of bed after we tuck her in and coming to our room through the night, refusing to sleep in her bed. Any advice? I would go back to a crib. Unless your child was climbing out of their crib and it was an unsafe situation, which it doesn't sound like it was in this case, it sounds like we moved specifically because of the baby arriving, I would go back to a crib. You could consider having your newborn in a bassinet instead of the crib for the first little while so that your two-and-a-half-year-old gets to spend longer in the crib. You could consider buying a second crib. I know that's an added expense, but they're are cribs available that are used but in perfectly good condition that meet all safety standards. So there are ways around this and I would go back to a crib. Most two and a half year olds are not quite ready for being on a floor bed or in a big kid bed as we call it because they just don't have the reasoning skills necessary to convince them to stay in their bed. I love a crib until at least age three Even three and a half is better if your child is still sleeping well there and isn't climbing out and it's not a safety concern, then three, three and a half years of age can be best for moving to a big kid bed. And prior to that, a crib is usually a good option. I hear from many, many parents that their child was a good sleeper, but then they moved them to a big kid bed around two, two and a half years of age and sleep went downhill. Their child's constantly running out of bed, but their child isn't at an age where they have a high enough level of comprehension or the reasoning skills to really sit down and talk to them about staying in their bed, why it's important to stay in their bed, maybe using some age-appropriate rewards and consequences to motivate them to stay in their bed. These are things that when I work with a three-plus-year-old, we strategize and we work on, but things that don't really work super well with a child who's only two and a half because they don't really understand rewards and consequences. So really, my advice is that I would go back to a crib. If that's just really not an option, because you can't get a second crib, you really, really don't want to get a second crib, You, it is a safety issue because this parent maybe did move their child out of a crib because they were climbing and it become a safety concern, then we got to do what we got to do, obviously, safety first. And so what you might consider is a wake-up clock. 
and some, as I said, age-appropriate rewards and consequences that you sit down as a family and discuss to determine what is right for your individual child. Again, not every two-and-a-half-year-old understands a wake-up clock to the degree that it's going to be useful and effective, but some do. And if going back to a crib where you have more control over the situation as a parent is not an option, then using a grow clock, a hash clock, a wake-up clock of some kind, and explaining to your child that they need to be in bed when the clock is one color, and they can get out of bed when the clock is another color, and motivating them again with some rewards can be very helpful. Sometimes at two and a half, definitely by three, three and a half, this can be very helpful because your child really understands it. So that's some advice around the floor bed versus the crib and how to manage that. The next question is on the opposite end of things because we're talking about a newborn, a newborn who keeps waking from naps after 30 minutes. Should I try feeding him and then putting him right back down for more sleep or do a full wake window and try again? I would do a full wake window and try again. If your newborn has a 30, 40 minute nap and then they wake up and you get them out of the crib and you feed them and you try to put them back down for more sleep, you're likely to get a lot of protest about it. They probably won't be quite tired enough to go back to sleep. If they've had a cat nap 30 or 40 minutes, then you've gotten them out of the crib, stimulated them, done a feed and tried to put them back down. You may just end up with a lot of protest because they don't have quite enough sleep pressure yet after their little 30, 40 minute nap. So I would get them out of the crib, do a feed, play a little, do a full wake window, which for a newborn is about an hour and then do another nap. Next question, I have a five and a half month old daughter who in general is a good napper. Her morning naps can be anywhere from an hour to two hours, and even sometimes her second nap of the day could be two hours. I find when that happens, it just throws off the last nap of the day because there isn't enough time for a third nap. So then she's just overtired by bedtime because she skipped her third nap. Any advice on adjusting her schedule? Absolutely. This question is one that we get a lot, and it is exactly the reason that we created our four to 10 month sleep guide. Because especially around five, six, seven months, nap timing can be really tricky. Most children this age do better with three naps per day, but sometimes it can be tricky to fit in three naps per day. And that's where we get into some scheduling nuances. So my advice for this parent was that for a five and a half month old, we make sure they're awake by about 7 a.m. so that we have time in the day for three naps. We wake them from their first nap after a max of an hour and a half, so we have time for two more naps. We wake them from their second nap after an hour and a half as well, because now we've saved ourselves time for a little like 30, 45 minute cat nap at the end of the day, a third nap, and then we can still have an appropriate bedtime. So I would cap the first and second nap at an hour and a half. I wouldn't let the first and second nap go on to two hours. That's how you're going to save yourself time for a little third cat nap at the end of the day. And at this age, five, six, seven months, that's how we're going to avoid baby being overtired by bedtime. We really want to avoid overtiredness at bedtime because it can often cause difficult bedtimes, more protest at bedtime, overnight wake-ups, and early morning wake-ups when your child goes to bed overtired. That's why I like that third nap at this age and really working on the schedule and working on some nuances to make sure that we can fit in that third nap. The next question is the daylight saving time question that I was talking about. It's not specifically related to how to manage daylight saving time. This question is, I have a 15-month-old who's showing some signs of being ready to switch 
from two naps to one. He's taking longer to fall asleep for each of his naps, though he will generally still go down for them. Would you make the switch now or wait until after the time change? Great question. I would wait until after the time change. If you have something coming up like daylight saving time change, a vacation, some big trip, something like that, and your child is just kind of sort of on the cusp of a nap transition, I would wait until after that event to make that transition. This child is taking a little longer to fall asleep for each of his naps. He is probably approaching the point where he is ready to go down to one nap, but if he will still go down for each of those two naps, I would definitely wait until after daylight saving time ends because right now that's only a couple of weeks away. I would hang on to those two naps because with daylight saving time ending comes the turning back of the clocks by an hour. So if we move this child to one nap a day now and then he starts waking early once daylight saving time ends, this child is going to have a very big stretch from first thing in the morning to his midday nap. And he's just getting used to this midday nap because we just switched him to it a week or two ago. So likely better to make that change after the time change, because then if your child does start waking up early after the time change, you can compensate for that by having two naps in the day and getting to bedtime without your child being overtired. He's only on one nap a day and he wakes up really early after the time change, we're probably going to see a lot of overtiredness. Same thing with vacations, often on vacations, schedules are really thrown off. We are having some shorter naps because we're having more naps in strollers and carriers. So for example, if I have someone ask me, should I switch my seven and a half month old to two naps versus three right now? Or should I consider waiting until after my vacation that I'm taking in two weeks? I would say wait until after your vacation because it's likely that on your vacation, there will be some shorter naps, there will be stroller carrier naps. You might benefit from having a later bedtime, which is often feasible when you're on a three nap day, having a bedtime of closer to 7.30, 8 o'clock, which is often helpful on vacation when you're out for dinners and activities. So a three nap schedule for that baby would likely be very helpful on a vacation and helpful for the parents. And then transitioning to two naps when they get home from that vacation is likely going to work out best. So that's another example of how it can be better if you're just on the cusp of that nap transition to wait until after that big event occurs. And the final question for today is, hey, Erin, do you have any tips for 5 a.m. wakes? My 12-month-old pretty consistently wakes at 5 a.m. We do a short nap from 9.30 to 10 a.m. and then a longer nap from 12.30 to 2. This seemed to work for a while, but recently we're back to 5 a.m. wake-ups. This is a bit of an unbalanced schedule for a one-year-old. I love that this one-year-old is still having two naps in the day. Most 12-month-olds do best with two naps per day. Most children are not ready to drop to one nap a day until about 16 or 18 months of age. So it's great that he's having two naps, but his two naps are a little unbalanced. Most of the sleep is happening in the first part of the day, and by two o'clock, this child has already done his naps and then needs to go to bedtime without being overtired, which is going to be tough when he's done his naps at 2 p.m. So I would suggest for a 12-month-old, we balance the day out a little bit more for these two naps. A nap at 9.30 is great. I wouldn't wake a child after only 30 minutes from a nap. I would let that morning nap be around an hour for this 12-month-old. So we nap from 9.30 to 10.30. Great. But now I would do more awake time until the second nap. 
most 12-month-olds can handle about three and a half hours of awake time between their first nap and their second nap. So if I had a child napping from 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. at this age, I would do about three and a half hours of awake time and put him down for his next nap around 2 p.m. Say that nap is around an hour and a half and the child sleeps until 3.30, then I would offer another three and a half hours of awake time before bed. So say we wake up at 3.30 from our nap and we go to bed at 7. Now this child has gone down after three and a half hours of awake time, which is very age appropriate for a 12 month old. He's not overtired and he's likely to therefore sleep later into the next morning. You've heard me say it before. I know it's counterintuitive, but the earlier a child goes to bed before they get overtired or the less overtired a child is when they go to bed, the later they're likely to sleep the next morning. And the more overtired a child is when they go to bed, the more likely they are to wake up early. It's hard to get in and stay in a nice, deep, restful sleep. So they get really agitated in those early hours of the morning and wake up. So I would suggest that's probably what's happening with this child. If this 12-month-old is waking up from a nap at 2 p.m., even if he's going to bed at 6.30, 7 p.m., that's a big stretch of awake time for a 12-month-old from 2 p.m. until 6.30, 7 p.m. So instead, again, I would balance out the nap day, nap mid-morning, nap mid to later in the afternoon, afternoon nap ending around 3.30, bedtime around 7. We've had three and a half hours of awake time, great wake window for a child this age, probably not overtired by bedtime with that wake window. And then that's probably going to push out those early wakes because we're not overtired going to bed anymore. I know I repeat a lot of the same stuff on this podcast. I get that. But I also get that you're tired. Parents are tired. Parents of young infants and toddlers are exhausted. It's a lot of information to take in. Sleep really is a science. There's so many nuances to it. So I hope you're all enjoying Q&A Tuesday because while I do realize that a lot of the information I provide in response to these questions is similar to other information I might have already given you in previous episodes. It's because the questions are similar, because we all have, or many of us have, really common, similar questions about our baby's sleep. And that's a good thing. The fact that a lot of us are dealing with the same issues means we don't have to feel alone. We don't have to feel like I'm the only one who's burdened with this huge sleep challenge. And we can know that there are answers out there to our questions and there are ways to get around these struggles, these challenges, these nap transitions and scheduling nuances. There are answers to your questions, ways around it. So I hope that by reiterating the information that can be helpful for you to get sleep on track, you can overcome those sleep challenges or those big questions and feel more confident in moving forward with great sleep for your babe. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.